Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome. Today we are going to be talking about Annie Schmidt, whose name is actually Ann Schmidt, but she goes by Annie. And on October 16 of 2016, she would disappear from social media and seem to drop off the face of the earth. Now, Annie is 5'4", weighing about 125 pounds. She is an avid hiker and would often hike alone, so not unusual for her to go out on day hikes by herself. Annie moved from Salt Lake City, Utah, to Portland, Oregon in July for a new job. And she had actually originally moved to Texas, where her brothers were living, and decided immediately that she hated it there. And the company that she was working for would find her a position in Oregon, which was an opportunity that she would jump at because she loved hiking and spending time in the outdoors, and Oregon was a much better area for her. Oregon's a lot like here. Most Washingtonians say they like Oregon, and most Oregonites say they like Washington. Yeah, they're very similar, so that makes sense. It's Oregonites, right? Is it Oregonites? I don't know. Oregon people, what do we call you? Because it's Washingtonians. Washingtonians? Oregonites? I feel like it's Oregonites. Sounds good to me. Correct us if we're wrong. But I do feel like I could live in Oregon because I'm familiar with Washington, and they're very similar. Also, going from Washington to Texas would be shocking. Oregonians? Oregonians. Oregonians? Is that right? We just looked it up, and apparently it's Oregonians, which kind of sounds like a guinea pig. I'm not really sure. No, Oregonites, Oregonians. Oregonians. Sorry about that, Oregon. (laughs) Annie had four siblings, and she was the second born of the four children. So her family was part of the Church of Latter-day Saints, which I think is Mormon. Yes. Yeah. Her mom would say that she had the gift of loving people and wanted to sing and write music. And her family said that she was very musically gifted. Her dad was also musical and he was part of a band or I don't know if they're considered a band, but the piano guys. He's part of that group. On Monday, October 17, people started to notice that Annie hadn't posted on social media, which was kind of unusual for her. And by Tuesday, concern began to grow because she had not responded to any of their messages and still hadn't posted anything on social media. I don't think anybody would be worried about me yet. I think I'd have to go like a month without posting anything for anybody to get worried. And even then, I don't think anybody would get worried. No, dude, if I go missing, no one's even going to know I'm missing. No one's even going to be concerned. That is a fact. (laughs) Her mother, Michelle, had tried texting her with no response. And they had plans to go camping. And her mom would actually be getting on a plane in a couple days. But she figured her daughter was just busy and she would see her soon anyway. But on Wednesday, October 19, she would be left standing at the airport with no ride. Annie did not show to pick her up as the pair had pre-arranged. She still wasn't that worried and said, okay, I'll rent a car and I'll go find out where she is. But her uneasiness grew as she drove the unfamiliar roads of Portland. She drove to Annie's where her roommate Anne, kind of confusing, Anne and Annie, opened the door 
And she said, is Annie here? And Anne would reply, I thought she was with you. Anne was actually surprised to see Michelle as she assumed that Annie and her had already left on their camping trip. So she's thinking she hasn't seen Annie for a couple days because maybe they left on their camping trip early. Yeah. Immediately, they both knew that something was terribly wrong. And her mom would actually go to the police station to report her daughter missing. But by this point, it had been three days since anyone had seen Annie. Now, at the police station, they would ask her questions like, was Annie on drugs? Was she suicidal? Did she have an argument with you? Kind of the standard, there's an adult who has gone missing questions, right? Still, that would be very frustrating, I think, to have somebody, like if you went missing and I went to report you missing and they're like, well, does she do drugs? But police obviously have to consider, did Annie just leave on her own? But it doesn't sound like they thought that. They told her that it could take a couple days to legally ping Annie's phone because she was an adult and they would need to get a search warrant for that. True. So her dad, John, and her brother, Spencer, would immediately fly to Oregon and they would arrive the following day. John would call all the hospitals and any place that he could think that she might end up. And they also reached out on social media. But, but none of this came to anything. Her roommate, Anne, recalled the last conversation that she had with Annie. And she'd asked her if she wanted to hang out on Sunday. And Anne told her that she couldn't. And that was the last time she saw her. Yeah. So on Thursday, October 20th, her car would be found off of exit 40 on I-84 eastbound. And this was near Bonneville Dam. Which isn't exactly a trailhead. So the way that it's described to me is that it's like an exit off of a freeway and she's kind of parked in this area off of the freeway, but there are multiple hiking trails nearby. Okay. So now her cell phone ping would finally come through after working with the cell phone company and it would ping near where her car has already been found. So obviously this would be a huge blow as they had hoped that it would ping where she actually was, not her abandoned car. The car had actually been broken into and ransacked, and her dead phone would be found inside. Which I think is really weird. So she's not at her car, but her phone is there. Interesting. Now based on where her car was found, police are thinking, could she have gone hiking? Although it didn't appear that she had taken her gear from home. She had recently ordered a tent that hadn't yet shipped, so she didn't have a tent. Her tennis shoes, which they thought might have been the shoes that she hiked in, were at home along with her backpack. So on Friday, October 21st, which is five days missing, the search finally begins. That's oh a God. really late start. That's such a late start. That's like the time where a lot of searches end is after five days of searching for somebody. I would be freaking out if I was her family at this point. So as Michelle drove to the search and rescue base camp, she saw all the emerald greens and brilliant blues that Annie had described. And she would say out loud, Annie, I think this is so beautiful. And she felt like her daughter responded, I knew you would love it. Her mother said that in that moment, all of the questions and the endless cycle of nightmare scenarios melted away, 
It was so comforting to know that her daughter was not suffering on the mountain, but was in the spirit world. Her mom literally, at this moment, thought Annie's not alive anymore. Before they even start searching, before she even gets to the base camp. And I could see a lot of, I don't know that this would be comforting to me. What? Like thinking, okay, well, she's not suffering on the mountain. Like to think she hasn't survived. I'm not sure that I would feel comforted by that. I mean, this is the most realistic outlook that I've heard from any parent, especially a mother. Usually the mothers are the ones that think that the kid's still alive. Yeah, we really don't hear it very often, do we? Mm. Her mother would say, I don't think she's still alive. I don't think she survived. Honestly, that brings me comfort knowing she is with her Heavenly Father, and she's not hurting, and she's not suffering. But we do want to find her body. She would arrive to the search party, and there would be not nearly as many searchers as she had expected, and she would learn that there was another hiker that had gone missing in the gorge, and the efforts were being divided. Ugh. So not only are they starting five days late, or five days into her being missing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after five days, I don't think I could survive more than five days in the wilderness. Well, and the weather's not great at this time either. No. We're looking at October. October is where it starts to get really rainy and really cold. Yeah, I'm not surviving five more than five days. No. Well, especially without a tent, without anything proper no. gear, right? But then to know that the search isn't even going to be at full force because somebody else has now gone missing. That probably is a priority. Yeah, because they started right away. Right. Probably, maybe, I don't know. I don't know either. So this is considered Tooth Rock, this area, and it's between two other hikes, Eagle Creek to the east and Wasella Falls to the west. Not to mention there are multiple routes from the Tooth Rock parking lot where she also could have gone hiking. This must be like a really big parking area. I'm I'm still a little, I was looking at pictures of it, and it looks like kind of like a giant trailhead parking lot kind of. And maybe on one far end is the Eagle Creek, and the other far end is the Wasella Falls. Is kind of what it looked like to me, but it could be too that it's a separate parking lot altogether. I'm not really sure, but that's what it looked like in the pictures. Okay. This means that the searchers that are left will be spread even thinner in order to cover all of the ground. We saw this in the one case too, um, the one where the false tip got let in. They knew where he left from because they found his car, but they didn't know which hike he had taken. guy on... Key and McLaughlin? Oh, Grand Teton National Park. Grand Teton National Park, yeah. So that's Wyoming. But same thing, where there was like so many different hikes that he could have gone on that they had to really like spread out to even search all of the trails. And during the search, there would be rain and wind on the constant, like nonstop during their search. Which we know makes searching a lot harder It makes it harder for searchers to stay warm and safe. It makes it harder to search areas that are difficult to go into where they might be slick or have issues because of the rain. Yeah. 
On day two of the search, which is Saturday, October 22, six days missing, searcher levels actually swelled to over 200 people. And a lot of this is the families did put out a plea on social media for help. So immediately search and rescue allows regular volunteers to come in and help with this search, which is also in our area really unusual. Like a lot of times when we have somebody that goes missing, they close it down and they don't let volunteers come up unless they are part of the search and rescue team. Yeah, they sounds like they might have just been spread a little bit too thin. Right. It kind of sounds like they were welcoming any help that they could get at this point. Drones and dogs were also brought in. And the cliffs and waterfalls would be searched by the Clasp County Sheriff's Office and Portland Mountain Rescue using climbing equipment because there are a lot of like drops and rocky areas where people could fall or get trapped in in this area. I know when you have to bring in like mountain rescue, like you know the terrain is rough. 150 miles of the Columbia Gorge trail system would be covered before the search was called off. Her dad, John, and her brother, Spencer, would search for hours, clinging to the hope that Annie would be found alive. He would yell and yell, and Michelle said that he would do this in like a musical triad because he knew that was something that she would identify with. Lydia McGranaham joins the search on October 23rd. So Lydia is 40 and she lives in Kaiser, Oregon, which is a small town just north of Salem, which <laughs> I feel like not a lot of people know where Salem is either. I had at least heard of Salem. <laughs> I hadn't heard of Kaiser. Do you know where Salem is No, located? I don't. That doesn't really... Okay, so maybe it wasn't the best example. I don't know. I just figured more people knew where Salem was than <laughs> Kaiser. No? Uh, okay it's not my fault i have only been to oregon a couple times (laughs) so right kaiser's small town north of salem which is literally in between that means it's in between portland it's south of portland it's just south of portland okay if it's north of salem it's just south of portland i apologize salem is just south of oregon salem's still bigger on the map than kaiser is so that's because Kaiser looks like it's fucking I'm standing part of by Salem. my choices. I'm standing by my choices. Okay. It is just north of Salem, but you didn't even know where Salem was. I did was. not know where Salem was. <laughs> Thanks for pointing it out to everybody. I don't know. I want to live in Tillamook, Oregon. Tillamook? <laughs> That's all I know. I would live in Tillamook. It probably smells like cows there, though. They make a lot of cheese. <laughs> Do you think that... Do they actually make cheese there? I don't know. I'm assuming <laughs> it's called Tillamook. Is it completely unrelated to the cheese? I actually don't okay, know. Okay. I'm just giving you shit. I have no Great. idea if it's actually related to the cheese. I'm pretty sure it is. Maddie's being rude today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Lydia had seen on the news about Annie going missing while hiking. And this was only an hour and a half away from where she lived. And after seeing the family's pleas on Facebook, she felt compelled to go help. And Lydia's an avid hiker, and she's very experienced as well. She had not hiked in the area where Annie's car was found, but she had hiked 
very similar trains because hour and a half away in Oregon is... She's very familiar with the train, yeah. At least the type of train. Mm-hmm, yeah. She'd also been listening to the piano guys when she first heard about Annie and remember Annie's dad is part of the piano guys. Mm-hmm. This was about three days missing when she heard a voice telling her to turn on the news. Still, she was hesitant to get involved. She wasn't search and rescue, but it would gnaw at her all day, and she felt like she just couldn't ignore it any longer, and she would end up going out to help search. She would arrive on Sunday, and the searchers would be split into small groups, and she would be group number one, and she'd be the only girl in her group. Yeah, I guess she was saying that, like, whoever was, like, splitting them into groups, like, pointed at her and said, you look like an experienced hiker and put her in, like, one of the more experienced groups. So her group was going to be searching along the river, and they would finish around noon. After most of the searchers had gone home, she decided to start at Annie's car and try to think like her. Which, that's probably what I would do as well, honestly. Like, if I was out there searching, and... I know it might seem crazy that they get done at noon and they like stop searching, but a lot of times when you're out searching off trail in these areas, it's very, very tiring and the terrain can be very treacherous. So starting later in the afternoon can be kind of dangerous. So ending at noon... Well, then you still have to hike back to wherever... Right. So ending at noon is probably not as crazy as it sounds. But I would want to start at the car, too, and I would want to try to think, like, where would I be going? Where would, where would Annie go? That kind of thing. When we've gone out on searches, we like to start at the campground or where they were and then work our way around the area from there, like yeah. somewhere we knew that they were. So she would head down a trail called 400 was the name of the trail or the number of the trail. And after a little while, she came to a branch off, and there was a rock on the ground with an arrow scratched on it, pointing up. And it also had Munra scratched onto it. She would take this trail, and it would lead her to the unmaintained Munra Point, which is an exposed knob at the junction of three spiny ridges and has a full view of the Columbia River Gorge. And when I looked at pictures of it, it's kind of like... You're, like, up on this ledge, and it just kind of drops off on all sides. It's really pretty, actually, but it does look very steep. She would say that she felt like it was a place that Annie would have gone. And that night, she had an intense dream where she felt herself falling, and she woke up feeling as though she had seen Annie in her dream, and she was sure that she had been at Munra Point and started to wonder if maybe Annie had fallen from there. On October 26th, she had planned a hike for her 40th birthday, but the night before, she found out that the family was spending one more day searching for Annie and thought, I can't do my own thing, not as long as Annie's out there missing, and she decided to join the search again for another day. So she shared her dream with the searchers and said that she wanted to search at Munra Point, but the group had already searched there and had plans to search another area, and she would stay with the group and go with them. Halfway through the day, another searcher suggested that he didn't think that she was in this area, and him and Lydia and another searcher decided to go search some cliff areas. 
around Munra Point, but they did not find any sign of Annie. Yeah, so basically they were assigned to like a different area, but halfway through the day they were like, this just doesn't feel like where we should be searching. And they decided to go back to Munra Point. Probably because Lydia wouldn't let it go would be my guess. She really wanted to search Munra Point. Lydia said, after that, I felt such a strong pull. I'd come home. I couldn't sleep. She said she had a serious drive and intuition to find Annie. And in fact, whenever anyone would ask her to search away from Munra Point, she would ask to get moved to a different group. Like she only wanted to search around Munra Point. Either way, the official search would end on Sunday, October 23. And a family friend named John Harding said, I'll remember forever the feeling of that Sunday night watching the sheriff pack up and drive away without finding Annie, leaving the Schmidt family and a few friends in a dark rainy parking lot in the gorge, 630 miles from home. Now, John actually got involved in the search when his daughter, who was a friend of Annie's, messaged him about Annie's disappearance while he was on vacation in Utah. So he's like on vacation. He said that he couldn't sleep at all. And by 6 a.m. on Friday, October 21, he had a bag packed and was ready to head out. And when the official search actually ends, he takes the reins and continues to organize things for the family. Okay. He would also call Marty Newey to the search. And Marty, having children around Annie's age, said that he felt like he needed to help. He would say that it was amazing how many people were working together, searching, providing food, and providing shelter. There was, like, one story that I read about, like, they were outside and people were, like, under whatever cover they could get trying to cook food for searchers while it was, like, pouring down rain and dark and cold. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. We also have another Annie that gets involved, and she actually lives in Idaho but could not help search in person. So she would set up a Facebook group organizing searchers and tracking what routes had been covered. This is super important when you're out with a bunch of random people searching for somebody. Yeah. She would also help organize canines to try to join the search. And she had a list of about 20 names. And she would get to the very last name before she found someone that agreed to fly out and help by bringing multiple dogs to Oregon. Also on November 6th, family and friends and supporters would participate in a fast in order to help with efforts. So it was basically like fasting and praying on that day. Her family and members of her church would continue searching. We just walked up the creeks, were going chest deep, wading, walking, looking to see if she's fallen into the creek, trapped under a rock, or wedged behind a log. They're just all out there trying to find her. Jesus. At least her family doesn't have unrealistic hopes. Like, her mom is very much... I feel better and worse. I feel worse that her mom is so self-aware that her mom is like, no, dude, my daughter's dead out there. Because that's tragic. But it makes me feel better that they don't have an unrealistic view of finding her alive because I always feel so bad when, like, one of the parents is just completely set on their their family member being alive. Right, and we've seen that multiple times where one parent believes their child is alive and the other one doesn't. It's usually mother versus father. I feel like the mom usually thinks that 
kids alive. I think a lot of mothers think that they would know if their daughter wasn't alive anymore. Like that, that keeps them clinging to that hope, I guess. Traumatic. I don't, I don't know what kind I would be, honestly. Now, on November 10, Joe Jennings, who is president of the Great Basin Canine Search and Rescue, would join the search. And Joe would come along with his nine-year-old golden retriever named Gunny. They were assigned to search the area below Munra Point, and Lydia would join them on the search. Not surprising because this was her preferred search area. There was an area that they wanted to search where Annie may have taken a shortcut. So they had heard that there was like this shortcut in that area, and Annie was known to take shortcuts and maybe leave the trail every now and then. And this area would be steep with thick vegetation. It was also very windy, and Gunny had trouble keeping a scent. So he was able to pick up a scent, but he kept losing it because of the wind. Mm. There was talk about going back to the trailhead, and Gunny was, like, sitting on the cliff edge, and he was barking and whining, and everybody seemed very frustrated. Because I think when these dogs got there, they were like, oh, my gosh, we have a scent. Like, we're going to find her. And Mm -hmm. then it just turned out that it wasn't working. On November 11, there would be a magnificent sunrise that John Harding would get a picture of while driving to the search. And on this day, Lydia headed back to the area with Liz Hall and her dog, Rue. And this would lead them to the same area that Gunny had taken them to. And as they passed this area, the dogs seemed to keep getting a scent. And Lydia sees a sock on the side of the hill and then a shoe, and then she saw a backpack. So it was around 11 a.m. when they would find human remains at the bottom of a steep cliff. And the cliff was about 300 feet above them. They called it in, but were unable to definitively say whether or not these remains belonged to Annie. The remains were very decomposed, and there had been multiple hikers that had gone missing in this area that were never found. Right. But the family would post, we are very hopeful for closure tonight. Today, the dog teams found human remains at the bottom of a cliff in the area below Munra Point. The area is so far off trail and dense with vegetation that it required teams to pretty much crawl uphill to get there. Conclusive identification of the remains is impossible. The medical examiner will have conclusive identity verification by Monday or Tuesday. There is comfort in knowing from the circumstances that there would have been no suffering. I don't know how you can say that. I don't know how you can 100% say that there was... I mean, obviously, that's what the parents want to hear. So, obviously, if I was that's a medical the examiner... Hope, right? I feel like most people would tell the family exactly what they wanted to hear. Well, like, and we are 300 feet from a cliff edge, so I think the hope is that she fell from this cliff edge... And died immediately without suffering. Yeah, but who knows how she slid off the right. cliff. Like. But I think they're, they're maybe implying here that this would have been better if she had fallen off this cliff than, like, if they had just found her lost. Like, yeah. where she had lived for days, maybe, and suffered. She's still going to live for days. I know. Because who knows when she even fell off the cliff. She was off trail either way. The cliff yeah. is off trail. 
I know. What if she was already off trail for four days and Thank then you. died? Yeah. And she then, was like, weak and fell off of the cliff. Yeah. They did say we can positively identify the clothing and personal items found at the site as belonging to Annie. So the family knows right away, even without positive identification, that this is Annie based on the items that they find mm. with the remains. The sheriff's department is making a public statement that there is reason to believe that Annie has been found, awaiting conclusive evidence from the medical examiner. We wanted each and every one of you who are special beyond words to us to hear it first. There is no way to thank our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, for the support that we have felt through you. You have searched with us, prayed with us, hoped with us, fasted with us, and supported us and sacrificed for us. We thank you from the very bottom of our hearts. Much, much love, the Schmitz. Also, the people who were searching said that if they had gone around the corner the day before from the last area that they went to, that they would have found Annie that day. Like, that's how close it was. And the following day, the medical examiner would positively identify the remains as Annie's. It appeared as though she had fallen from cliffs above and died on impact, as her cause of death would be ruled blunt force trauma. Her and her things were covered with leaves that had been attached to the trees still when she had gone missing. So they knew that she had been in that spot for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So there was no easy trail. There were a lot of drop-offs in places that someone can fall. So they don't know exactly where she fell from. It was rainy and windy the day that Annie went hiking. And she was alone and her phone was in the car. Maybe her battery died before she left the car. That's what I'm thinking because I don't know why else you would leave your phone in the car. Especially no if you... service? One, I don't know... There wasn't a list of her belongings that she did have with her. She obviously had a backpack, which they thought she had left at home. So obviously she had more than one backpack, but we don't know if she had like a camera with her because if her phone was still alive, you would think she would have that with her to take pictures. But she may have had a camera with her as well. Either way, this hike has a lot of places where... It's kind of dangerous, and especially when the weather's bad and you don't have any kind of GPS or map or anything like that. So it's not crazy to think that she got off trail a little bit or ended up falling off of a cliff. Yeah. Either way, they don't seem to think that there is any foul play associated with this death, which I wouldn't think so either. Unless, of course, the phone ended up back at the car when they took it from her and they ransacked the car after killing her. I mean. Always a possibility. But not very likely. So, yeah, I don't think there's any alternative theories as far as there's no indication of foul play at all in this case. It really does just seem like a case where something went wrong. Yeah, which is why no matter how much of an experienced hiker you are, it really doesn't matter. And also the importance of telling somebody where you're going. Not yeah. that... So if if Annie did die on the day that she went hiking, it wouldn't have mattered, right? But what if she didn't? Like somebody could have been out there looking for her immediately. 
And they would have known that she was going to Monroe Point the entire time. Right? Yeah. So they would have known to go looking for her there. Her roommate would have known that she wasn't with her mom, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell someone where you're going. Please tell somebody where you're going. One of the searchers would actually pay for Lydia's way to come to Annie's funeral, which is such a cool thing to do. When everybody was placing flowers on her casket, Lydia actually broke off a branch from a tree above her gravesite and placed that on Annie's casket instead. I'm sure that the family wanted her there, too. I mean, she did help find her. Yeah, she was super... That's She knew where she was the whole time. Her mom, Michelle, also wrote a book called Carried, How One Mother's Trust in God Helped Her Through the Unthinkable. If you want to read more from her perspective on this story and how her and her family have handled all of this, Annie's last Facebook post said, fill your life with good vibes. And that's kind of a theme that you'll see if you go and look at her, like, Facebook memorials or anything like that. So this is Annie's New Year's resolution list. Oh, my God, no. Isn't it so long? Oh, my God. Annie's New Year's resolution list for January of 2016, it says, P.S., I'm 21. Did you know she was the same age as you? Her New Year's resolution list is so long. Meditate weekly, reject negative thinking, strive to stay inspired, run a half marathon, get into rock climbing, hike, drink more water, let go of worry 100%, trust in God, uh, forgive quickly, faster, and be excited to forgive. You don't need to forgive anyone. I don't know that I could do that. Maddie and I aren't very good at forgiving. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be our New Year's resolution. <laughs> Absolutely not. I refuse. Sometimes you don't deserve to get forgiven for things that you do. Said by the person who wanted people to live with crippling guilt for the rest of their lives. By the way, you got a lot of support about that. <laughs> like a I don't shocking. Even remember what I said? Like a shocking amount of support <laughs> for that. What did I even say? It was on the case where the decision was made not to look for someone like they didn't believe that they were that they were missing and you were like I hope whoever made that decision lives with crippling guilt for the rest of their life and I was oh, like and then I went on a rant about how like that there are certain people that when you make a decision about certain things you should have crippling guilt for the rest of your life yes yeah yeah you had a lot of support i was kind of concerned about (laughs) our society more people deserve to live with the consequences of the actions that they of their decisions and my point had been i hope that you never make a decision that you have to live with crippling guilt over because some of these people i agree that i agree that some of them guilt every day of my life for decisions (laughs) like what i don't know what do you have crippling guilt about i don't know guilt is actually one of my strongest feelings that i feel for sure that's funny because i think that's phoenix's too annie also had on her list learn to record because she was super into music and i'll actually put the youtube link to the song that her and her brother wrote and sang right before she left 
which is kind of like haunting when you listen um, to it. Well, first of all, I am sure it's a beautiful song, but I will not be listening to it. Maddie can't handle it. Nope. I tried to make her listen to it already, and Absolutely she was like, not. no. I've already listened you to know multiple what, cases. Of you know mo- what it was? It was the um, missing in Nepal case that destroyed yep. me for that. No, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't handle that. That song I'm not- still pops up on my playlist every now and then because I looked it up on my uh, music app and it still pops up every now and then. I'm not mentally strong enough for that. It's traumatizing. But I think that obviously Annie was very ambitious. This is the longest list I have ever seen in my life. I've never even made a real New Year's resolution before. I never have either. I've never even made a New Year's resolution. Um, Things I was forced to do in school, yes. Because they, like, force you to do projects where you have to write down your New Year's resolution. But none of that was real. So that's the only New Year's resolution shit I've done. But none of it was real. So, so that was the story of Annie Schmidt, which is just tragic. I can't even handle it. But thank you so much for tuning in. We will have the links on there for the YouTube. Um, You can go and check it out. Also on the Facebook, they have a bunch of like the piano guys music and stuff like that. Like they've wrote some music or played some music that was done for Annie. So you can go and listen to that as well. Also, You can check out her mom's book. It's on Amazon and just about anywhere else that you can buy a book. And yeah, let us know what you guys think. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. It's against their religion to drink coffee, so it's like, would you rather drink a cup of coffee or a cup of cooking oil? And most students actually answer cooking oil. No. Yeah. Rather drink cooking oil than coffee because coffee's a sin. Uh, Phoenix was questioning me about would you rather the other day, and she was coming up with some very disturbing options. (laughs) I was like, what? Like, would you rather eat cat poop every day, or would you rather eat something else once a week. I can't remember what it was, but it was really gross. That's disgusting. Shit. But that's that was actually the day I got my car towed. Half of us Oh really? Half of the people went to one party and the other half of us went to the other ha- party and, and it was the other party. And the other half of us got our cars towed at that other party. <laughs> so So I guess that's the We were all cursed. It was meant The it, lesser of two evils though. Mm-hmm. That was a stressful night, man. That wasn't even that stressful, dude. What are you talking about? I got my car towed at a party. Big deal. You got your car impounded. Yeah, and not even that. They were like, that tow company made bank that night. They made so much money that night. So Maddie, like, went to this party at a hotel comp, or a hotel, a... Apartment complex. Apartment complex. And how old were you? Like, 16? I was, like, 17. Okay. And... Apparently, there were signs everywhere that said you couldn't no, park. No, there weren't <laughs> signs everywhere. So, you know how apartment complexes usually are like, you have reserved spots and they usually say reserved or have numbers on them? This apartment complex was not that way. It had a lot of blank spots and a lot of numbered spots. Apparently, the blank spots were still reserved parking spots. <laughs> and nobody knew that because there weren't signs anywhere. So, we were like, oh, we'll be fine. There's so many people here. Like, they would put out some 
No. No. They all got their cars towed. So Madison, like, comes out of this party, and she, like, can't find her car. Then everybody else is coming out of this party. <laughs> Nobody can find their car. We're all like, what the fuck? And then we <laughs> we start calling the tow company. We call the tow company, and they're like, yeah, all of your cars are here. And we're all like... Because we, we were like, what what are we, like, what the fuck? Are we just lost in this apartment complex? Like, like what's going like, on? Like, did we park somewhere else? Yeah. Or did somebody steal and our cars? And then we watched a tow truck pull this car away as the guy chased after the tow oh, truck driver. No. And we were all like, no. No way. <laughs> we called the tow company. We all got our cars towed. How much did it cost you to get your car out of? Um, It only cost me, like three to four hundred dollars because only oh my god that's so much everybody else had to pay like eight hundred dollars to get I their know. Car well out. You, you so maddie was like on top of it she like got a ride there oh by the way my phone was dead and in my car that got towed away mm-hmm. yeah good yeah. thing you didn't get murdered that day Hey, I was with a lot of people I knew. There were a lot of people. But Maddie was like on top of it. Like she got a ride. She got there immediately. She got her car out right away. Like she was like the person I was with. I was like, I was like, okay, you're good. You because we all we all called because nobody had a phone that was charged either because it's like three in the morning. (laughs) We're all teenagers. Nobody, nobody has anything. Um, How did we all survive being teenagers? I don't even know. We end up finding somebody who can come and get us all because there's like a group of us. Someone who was a big car came and get up, came and got us. We were all like packed into this car that we didn't fit in, and we were all calling people to try to figure out who. And I was like, can I, like, I was like, all right, I got to ride home. I'm good. I was like, I'm going to call. I'm going to get my car out. You good? You're going to find a ride home? He's like, I got it. You go. And then we were like, all right, see you. I was like, see you later. And I was like, I have to go get my fucking car. So Maddie got, like, half price on her car because yeah, she dealt with it right away. And I got it out. Like, it was only in there for a couple hours. Yeah. But everybody else had to pay, like, between 600 and $800 to get their car out. Fuck. So... I was fucking lucky. Well, and you at least had like money back then. Like you had a job, you had money saved. Like oh you yeah, could that afford group, to do that. That group was lending people money and everything. Like people were <laughs> lending each other money and stuff to try to get their cars out. <laughs> yeah, it was like a big thing. Like people were in debt. People from that group. I'm pretty sure that actually a like a pocket of them don't talk to each other specifically because of money. <laughs> they that never was got their money back. I, I feel like that has to do with why they don't talk. I have to say, I never had my car impounded as a teenager. Um, I was a teenager when my boat like partially sank and I was like bailing it out. I, I showed up at, at my boat with like some friends and there, the whole inside of my boat had filled with water. Like my bilge stopped pumping and water had leaked in. And so we were all in there trying to bail water out. And we were like, I like sent somebody over to like the, uh, storage, like the dry storage to see Uh if they could find somebody that had like a bilge pump. So we were like all these stupid teenagers running around. We were, we had been drinking that night too. I had been anyway. I don't know about everybody else. I think there was only one sober person in our group, and it was the person that was driving. So I sent them over to try to find somebody that had a bilge pump. So it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're, like, knocking on doors trying to find somebody that has, like, a pump while my boat is sinking. (laughs) That was really stressful. No, that sounds horrible. Yeah, I witnessed some crazy things as a teenager. (laughs) 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Same. Yeah, like that guilt girl. is what drove me as a kid. That's what that's what makes me most emotional as a ki- especially when I was a kid. Like guilt was 
so strong. And Phoenix is just like that. Like when she thinks that she did something wrong or she thinks somebody's upset with her, she gets so emotional about mm-hmm. it and so distraught over it that I have to like talk her off of a ledge. I'm like, Phoenix, everything is fine. Yeah. Today I was like sitting at my laptop and I was going like this. I was like rubbing my face and she was like, oh my God, mom, what's wrong? And I was like, what? She was like, you're rubbing your face. Are you crying? And I was like, oh no. I was just like, I was just like spacing out. I don't know what I was doing. And she was like, she had like walked over and had her hand on me. And she was like, she was like, you do that when you're about to cry. And I thought you were going to cry. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fine. I don't cry often, but when I do, it's, like, very traumatizing to my children. Because I feel like that if people did feel more guilt or had to live with the consequences, that there would just be less bad shit and mistakes happening. I agree with that. I do wonder. It's interesting, though, that some people have, like, a guilty conscience and other people don't. Like, I don't tend to feel very guilty for things, which I think is probably not good. Maybe. You did give birth to two different kids that definitely have psychosis issues. (laughs) So, psychopathy or sociopathy. I would say... Right, those are the correct terms? I don't know. I have no idea. They sound right. That sounded good, though. Uh, Yeah, I would say that a couple of my children... It's funny, though, because a couple of my children, I think, are the same way. And then the other half of my children are the opposite and feel very guilty. So explain that to me. 